Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Scroll. So we're going to answer another listener question. And I think this might be from our most uh, question-asking listener. His <laughs> name is Simon. We've heard from him many times. And he's asked a question probably months ago. He's in our question backlog. And you grabbed it today. And I thought, oh, that's a great question. His question is this. Have you done any episodes, no, Simon, that's what we're doing now, where you talk <laughs> about the different roles in an Agile team? And I must be kind of hungry because I was thinking of that as the roles that you eat, but he means the roles, R-O-L-E-S, so the different things that people do. I have enjoyed the product owner role, but I would be fascinated to know what you think the different roles need in terms of skill set. So what do you think about that, Jeffrey? I think that's fairly interesting. Um, the, I think I, I'm... A, a little bit radical here in that um, I don't really put a lot of stock into predefined roles um, and instead think in terms of responsibilities. So it was funny for me in, in how this was, was formulated. Uh, I, I get where it's coming from, which is very often people have predefined roles uh, and, uh, and will have their own sort of process and they will want to put people in them. And there's a bunch of titles that are common. So for example, he's given us product owner, which could also be um, product manager, uh, with slightly different implications. Uh, you can have someone who's a program manager. Um, so, you know, you can have a, a project manager. So we have like, you know, three different kinds of PMs in there. And, uh, and, and there's often very different implications between them uh, as far as what people mean. However, when it comes down to it, I, I tend to look less at the um, static structures of an organization or the static structures of a process and instead say, you know, what are the dynamics? Are we getting the dynamics we want? And if, if that's working, um, how much do we care about titles? Mm -hmm. but, but to get those dynamics often requires uh, certain things to be happening. And it is possible to map those back to different um, sort of sets of roles. Um, so that's, that's kind of my view. And it's, I think it's a bit different. Um, um, but that's where, I, that's where I start from. Uh, and and it, cause it, so then I sort of organize around, well, what are the, the skills that we need? And then how we, might we parcel them out? And that's the crucial thing for me, too. And I'll, I think I might even be more radical than Jeffrey because I, I have what I call the driftwood theory of tech hiring. And, okay. Uh, Je Jeffrey, have you ever been to a beach? I, I have. And did, was there wood on the beach that had drifted out of the sea? Uh, absolutely. Uh, very different, uh, different beaches, though, I'll say that. Absolutely. Well, different beaches have different driftwood. That's one of the wonderful things about driftwood is that in different places, you get very different things. And every day you get something different that the sea brings to you that just brings up whatever it is. And it's, it's beautiful types of wood. The, uh, uh, there are people who make art out of this wood. They carve it into beautiful shapes. And what uh, you notice is that they always um, follow the wood. They, they do things that are kind of in keeping with whatever shape uh, the wood is. So what they don't do is to define the role that they, they would like the wood to play. They don't say, you know, I'm going to carve a boat today and I am going to go out down to the beach and I'm going to look for a, a piece of wood that looks exactly like this. It's going to be this long and it's going to have this kind of grain in it and it will be set up exactly for the boat that I have in, in my head. They do exactly the opposite. They go down to the beach and they look at all the wood that turned up and they say, you know, that one, it doesn't look like a boat. It looks like a rabbit. And so I'm going to carve <laughs> that piece of wood into a rabbit. And people who are particularly skilled at this uh, make amazing pieces of wood, but they would be a terrible disaster if they turned up with a, a, a role in mind. 
So this is my theory that I often explain to people who come to me saying, we have this job description, Squirrel, and we'd like you to help us find exactly this person. And you know, wh where should we look and what kind of recruiting should we do? And I say, stop, you're, you're asking the wrong question. You're thinking about this wrong. And I, I claim that it's the same in uh, possibly in Simon's situation where he's thinking about what roles do I need in my agile team? What, what should I look for? And what should I have um, that, that, that will fit into certain boxes? You know, what, uh, what, how can I look for the piece of wood it has the right grain, it's exactly the right length, and it will make a boat. Uh, unfortunately, unless um, uh, any of you have a cloning machine or a machine that will allow you to produce developers and uh, engineers and product managers and all the other roles um, to specification, in which case, if you do, please talk to us, because that would be a really valuable consulting uh, angle. It'd be, be great to, <laughs> to sell to clients. Unless you have that, you're going to have to deal with whoever you've got. And that's true even if you go out and hire them, because uh, the, the supply is so, so limited and the demand is so so great that, that it, it skews the market in favor of the, uh, uh, of the applicant. And that means that you really don't have that many choices. You kind of get what you get. That doesn't mean you can't filter and look for exactly the right skills. And I think that might be what we can talk about more productively. But uh, and, uh, assembling those skills into packages that then match to certain roles is in my experience almost never the case. So I'm, I'm often hiring people who don't know the programming language of the team. I'm hiring someone who has never been a QA before but is really effective at breaking stuff. I'm hiring someone uh, or bringing someone into a team who has never been a product manager before but knows the business inside and out and is interested in, in building better software. Those are the sorts of people that, that I find. That's the driftwood that I find on the beach and put together into a team. Uh, wow, I've, I've never heard you talk about the driftwood theory before. That's a new one for me, uh, as well as our listeners. Um, and so, I, if you don't mind, uh, Squirrel, I'd like to take the opposition here for a bit, and the, the skeptical opposition, um, uh, rather than the loyal opposition. So the skeptical opposition might say, you know, that sounds great, um, and I can see that that's great for producing art. Driftwood art makes perfect sense. But you know, we're not a bunch of artists here. We have a business to run, and we need to be able to make things you know, reproducibly. And so in the same state uh, where you have people producing, uh, you know, driftwood art, um, they also are cutting down trees and planting them into boards so we can have standardized things. And that's the same way if we want to, you know, reliably, if we want houses, then that we need to be able to go in and get, you know, reproducible, standardized things. And that's the point of having these roles is that it's, we, we're putting out a specification saying, you know, this is what we need. And people can know, hey, can I be that shape? Can I can I show up and, and, and fit together to make that house? Um, and, and that's and that's anyone who's going to want to do things at scale, anyone who wants to, to, to run a business and not just a, a curiosity shop is going to have to go that route. And, and I completely agree. That's why I was saying if, if any of you have um, the equivalent of planing machines or or something that can package <laughs> up skills into a, a single human shape. You're going to be a very wealthy person and I'd like to invest in your business. That, that sounds like a super thing to have. The problem is we don't have that. <laughs> so uh, although it would be wonderful to do that, the fact is we have a bunch of driftwood. We have people who turn up in whatever shapes and skills and, and characteristics that they have, and we don't have a lot of choices. And, and it may be that at super duper scale, if you really are Google or Facebook or, or somebody like that, and, and if those folks are listening to the podcast, please come on and be a guest. I'd love to, to get, pick your brain. How, how do you do it? But if you're not one of those folks for, for whom there is really a, a very broad talent pool and, and a lot of people uh, available, 
then you you have a much smaller pool than than you would like to have in order to be able to follow that that process. So uh, I would encourage you to certainly try for uh, the role or the the package of skills that you might find most effective. I have absolutely no objection. That would be super. Go ahead and define it. But I predict that you'll find a bunch of people who don't quite match that specification. You wanted a, five, a person with five or ten years of experience in uh, at product management, and you'll get somebody who's really uh, enthusiastic, really knows your business, has come internally, is, is very knowledgeable and excited and interested, but only has two years of experience. And are you going to say to that person, "Well, sorry, you don't fit. You know, you're not the, the perfect board. You're, you've got a little uh, warper or something that's not quite perfect in you." I think if you do that, you're not going to scale because you just won't find enough people. But I would love to be proven wrong. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna continue here and say, okay, I, I see what you're doing there. But you know, you're kind of um, uh, uh, lighting uh, the, the the real thing. You have you, what you're saying is certainly true. We're not going to get people in standardized shapes, and they're so they're not going to exactly match our spec. And uh, uh, but but still, the, we have to have these standardized roles because that, that provides the contract for the team. Like, so they know what they're going to be able to rely on each, each person for. And so it's, it's important to define these roles so that they know what each person's contributing and to contribute effectively then, according to the contract that the, on the team, then they need to have certain skills to go with it. I mean, I don't think you can deny that. Uh, well, I would certainly claim that, for example, you uh, can get on very well with people who learn skills that they never knew before if they have characteristics that allow them to do that. So I mentioned before, uh, I'll say it again, some of the very best engineers that I've ever hired have been people I brought into the team who did not know the programming, programming language that the team used, just ne never read, written a, a line of Python or Java or uh, Rust or whatever it was. And that may seem astonishing to folks who are really used to this kind of um, uh, rigid uh, uh, definition of roles and, and skills. But what I found was that uh, someone who was really capable of understanding software deeply and quickly and could learn very fast, which were things that I could test for, in which my Driftwood uh, did bring up for me. The C, the C brought me those people. And I said, look, I, I can give you a book in three weeks and a pairing partner, and you'll know Python. And that is exactly what happened. So uh, while you're absolutely right that you, you do need some level of, of uh, ability to master skills and ability to shift uh, from one to another, you, you can get tremendous amounts of flexibility from people, and uh, they will often surprise you if you make them, uh, quoting you here, Jeffrey, if, if you make them into a real team that is a group that shares a problem. And uh, they will also do things like say, hey, actually, you know what we need is this type of skill. That's what we're lacking on this team. And uh, we're going to go find it in this way. So I, I've had lots of success with that. It has scaled. And um, I, I uh, still uh, claim that you can get by with a lot less rigid definition of the skills and packages uh, of skills into roles than you think you do. Okay. But it sounds to me like even in your example, you were looking for a particular set of skills. You said the ability to understand the software deeply and things like that. So you definitely had skills in mind. Oh, absolutely. And and that's what the C brought me. If the C had brought me a, an expert Python programmer, I, I might have hired that person. But what I, what I had was an amazing C programmer who didn't ha happen to know any Python. And I was able to make that work. I was able to carve that into a shape that worked for me. And I just encourage listeners and Simon to consider doing that. Okay. I'm going to push here a little bit more, you know, so what are the other, if you, if you know, with that C programmer, what else, what do you need to pair them with? What are the other 
uh, um, skills that you think you're going to need to to um, bring this team together? Well, that's fascinating. So um, in, in that particular case, I'll just stick to the particulars because again, I, I really think there's not very much of a general answer to, to Simon's question. But um, uh, if I'm remembering that particular team, we had a uh, amazing QA person who could break anything and was also a um, pretty good product manager. And we used her for a lot of product manager activities like prioritization and um, filtering incoming requests and things of that kind because she had such a deep understanding of the product. So she was not a, a traditional QA person who was uh, rigid in her role. Um, we had um, some amazing programmers in the programming language uh, that we were using, which were um, and, and they were they had deep understanding of it and also deep understanding of our industry, which was uh, finance at the time. So they had uh, worked as contractors in banks, and uh, they escaped. We, we would also always call them refugees because they were really glad they didn't have to wear a tie. Um, so uh, we had those skills, but they they were less um, uh, skilled in computer science. So they were um, practical folks who could uh, hack stuff together, but didn't have as much of a theoretical understanding. And I'm trying to remember who else we had in the team. We didn't have any designers because our, uh, our front end needs were limited. Uh, and we had uh, at least one very good product manager who worked with a QA person. So there, there's an example team that uh, I'm describing um, really an artisanal um, building of a team. That's, that's a particular team that solved a particular problem at a particular time that I remember. Um, six months after that, we might have built another team. I'm sure we did. And uh, we put that together from internal folks and maybe hires uh, to solve a different problem. And we would have had a different mix of skills. So uh, there, there's my not very helpful answer to your question. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, drop the role play here and, uh, and come back. And so as I listen to what you're saying, in, in, in part, I'm going to sort of contrast, compare and contrast the mindset that you have to this with, I'm going to, I don't really know what some, some his mindset is, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say a mindset I've seen from other people that would, would say, um, you know, look, we, we want to have a by the book agile team. And so uh, let me know how we can standardize everything. So we're doing things correctly because if we don't uh, define all the roles right, then we can't possibly have a truly agile team unless we've staffed <laughs> everything. And, um, and, and you're describing a very different approach, um, uh, which is not looking at the book, but instead looking at what's the problem I'm trying to solve right now. And, and solving it imperfectly. So you, you were right in your, in your skeptical role to say, hey, why would you hire a person who'd never written a line of code in this programming language if, if you could not do so? And the answer is, well, yeah, of course, that would be great. The person might still be better after three weeks of learning than others. So you might compare them uh, and, their, and their innate programming skill. But certainly you would consider people who knew the programming language before. You would consider people who don't. That seems pretty obvious. But that, that isn't often the choice that you have. And so uh, what I'm advocating there is the mindset uh, that, that consists of um, uh, approaching the problem first and, and being willing to be creative and flexible in how you solve it, trying to standardize and scale and uh, make everyone look the same, make everyone look like a board instead of a piece of driftwood is not, not likely to succeed in my experience. <laughs> and I'm, and, and I, I agree with you. And I think uh, for me, this is a real contrast is, is a, uh, I describe this, these contrasts and mindsets. It seems to me what you have is a, what I would describe as an agile mindset, which is 
you're looking at the problem and saying flexibly, what are our resources and how are we going to solve it? The way you would want the team to work when they're working on the problem. Um, and so you are, you're approaching the problem of creating the team the same way you want the team to approach the problem that they're solving. So there's a very, it's very strong consistency there in approach. The, the contrast is saying, you know, we want to be very rigid and specified, uh, about how we're going to approach putting the team together. And I suspect that very often, or I definitely know in those organizations, it often goes with a very rigid approach to what is quote unquote agile and the, and which, which ends up actually not being very agile in practice. And I, I think there's a, and it, for the same reasons, which is what drives people for um, scale or efficiency, these things where they want it to be standardized, uh, keep them from uh, taking a uh, an agile approach in solving the problems that the team faces. That's that's the, what it comes up for me as I'm comparing these mindsets. Does that resonate with you at all? Well, certainly it does. And uh, it reminds me of an episode which turned out to be our, our most popular episode ever, but we've not figured out why. So if anybody <laughs> knows why the, the episode titled We're the Aliens, Three Ways to Seek Safety became our, like by 50% more, our, our most popular episode, please tell us because we don't know. But what we talked about there was uh, different ways of approaching safety for your team. How could you be sure that you're solving the problem correctly? And we talked about having a single source of truth and appeal to authority, having a process that you could follow, or working it out with people. And and we, we of course, advocated the third one and said, boy, that's really kind of an alien approach. So apparently there are a lot of aliens listening to this podcast. So uh, welcome, <laughs> aliens. We're glad to hear from you. But um, more seriously, uh, that we're uh, advocating here a similar approach that instead of being rigidly attached to an uh, authoritative uh, source of, of truth or uh, a rigid process that you uh, work with a drifter that uh, washes up on the beach. And that makes people feel uncomfortable. That's probably good. And that is an illustration. That's an indication that um, it's new learning. So that, that's what we're trying to bring you here. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was the point I wanted to make, which is what we are describing this and we say it as though it's easy. And uh, But I will admit that it's it, in practice, there is a price to pay. Um, when we, we form a team in this way, it requires people to converse with each other and to um, learn their strengths and weaknesses and agree on their roles and responsibilities. And that kind of conversational, um, what people would see is some people would see is overhead. Um, it can be uncomfortable. Because you, you need to actually say, well, you know, what what are you good at? How, how are we going to divide up the different responsibilities here? What do you mean you don't know how to write a for loop in Python? Yeah. Uh, oh, you you actually don't know the language. Okay. How can we work with you anyway? And, and, and in particular, when I see this uh, very much, people would say, but what's my role? They'd like the certainty and comfort when they join everyone else to know what their role is going to be. And people, we've probably said before, people are, are very uncomfortable with uncertainty. And what we're saying is, yeah, you're, there's going to be some uncertainty as you kind of work through this. Um, we advocate it because we think that if you're willing to have the conversations and work through the uncertainty, you're likely to get a better result because you're making better use of the, I'm not sure this is a, a complimentary uh, 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 analogy here, but the driftwood that comes, uh, that, uh, that we're, we are, we're our own unique uh, piece of driftwood that we're putting together and acknowledging that and working with that, uh, working with that and the unique character of all the people in my experience is a, is a, is a more fun, uh, and gives a better result, uh, um, for the price of that, uh, not pretending that we're all, uh, standardized boards. Excellent.
All right. Well, if you are a standardized board and you, or you're an <laughs> alien and you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at conversationaltransformation.com. And we've got a very busy few weeks coming up. Uh, I've got a live stream I'm doing on the 1st of March. Um, we're at a conference toward the end of March. I'm doing a workshop on how to talk to your tech team and decoding tech talk at the end of March. Boy, we've got all kinds of uh, exciting stuff coming up. Uh, we're at another conference in the middle of March. I, I can't even keep track. So have a look there if you're interested in hearing more about what we're doing and uh, seeing more of us, or if you want to argue with us that, in fact, aliens are not a good thing to hire for your tech team or anything else. You'll find email, Twitter, all the wonderful things there. And of course, we like it when you hit the subscribe button, because then you can come back and mystify us by suddenly being 50% more of you uh, by the next episode, which will come out next Wednesday, and you can talk to us then. Excellent. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Grant.